Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We're in a series called 10. 10, what is that? We're talking about the 10 qualities of a disciple, 10 qualities of a disciples. Pastor Jordan spoke last week uh, about uh, one of the uh, qualities, which is um, following Jesus fully, fully following Jesus with all your heart, just being that follower of Jesus. And our text is coming out of Matthew chapter 28 and starting at verse 19. And it says, therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know some of y'all like to be baptized in Jesus' name as well. So we're, when we dunk you, we're baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and in Jesus' name. There you go. We'll cover it all. Amen. He said, in teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is Jesus before he, he's getting ready to ascend back unto his father in heaven. He's walked with the disciples for three years. And this is what he's telling them at the end of his life as he get ready to descend, to back, descend from earth to heaven. He's telling his disciples, hey, I want you to go out and I want you to make disciples. The same way that I made you a disciple, the same way I have taught you and walked with you for three years, I want you to go out and I want you to teach other people to become a disciple, but also to obey the things that I've taught you. So it's not just, it's not just good enough to believe the word of God and believe Christ. That's great to believe in for salvation, but after we believe Christ, there's something more that happens. There's something more that we need to do in order for us to really be that disciple and to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. I remember when I first gave my life to Christ, it was, it was awesome. I, I, I needed to enter into that relationship, but I thought that when I got saved, when I gave my life to Christ, everything was just peaches and cream. But there was still a process that I needed to go through to grow. That's why the Bible tells us to desire a sincere milk of the word, desire the word of God like sincere milk, like as a babe, desire sincere, sincere milk of the word of God. We need to grow thereby. We have to grow by the word of God in our Christian life as we are discipled um, in this life. So there's a, there's a process of where I get saved. I believe in Christ. Now I need to begin to walk it out. I need to begin to act out the qualities of a disciple. And I want to talk to you today about loving like Christ, loving like Christ. And what does it mean to be a disciple? I have a de definition for you here. A disciple is one who has been born again, who's entered into their relationship with God and is willing to take upon him or her the name of the Savior, Jesus, and follow him. A disciple strives to become as he is by keeping his commandments, immortality, 
much the same as an apprentice seeks to become like his or her master. A disciple is simply a learner, one who has been taught. And there's a cost to being a disciple. There's a cost. Luke 14, 25 says it like this. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whosoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciples. He's saying there's a cost to following Jesus. There's a cost to, to taking that step to be a disciple, meaning that sometimes you, you have, people are going to walk out of your life. As being a follower of Christ, people are going to turn their backs on you. People are not going to like you. There's going to be pain. He said, you have to take up your cross and follow me. Yes, there is a cost of being a disciple, but there's also commitment that has to take place. You have to be committed to, as he talked about last week, Pastor Jordan, fully following Christ. I'm fully, I'm all in to following Christ in spite of if my friends forsake me, if my family forsake me, I am fully into this disciple thing and I'm following Christ. And that means I need to sacrifice things out of my own life so that I can be that disciple that he's calling me to be. And being a disciple means being committed to love. It means committed to love people. John 13, 34 says this. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love one another. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciple that you've been with Jesus. By the love that we show each other, the world will know that they have walked with Christ. They entered into that relationship. They know Jesus. We who are in the church, we have to love each other. Like it starts here in the house of God, in our church, we have to learn to love each other. I believe, I believe, that the church is the hope of the world. And if there's no love in the church, then there's no hope in the world. The church has to show the world that we love each other. We got each other's back. We're walking with each other. John, 1 John chapter 4 says this. He says, dear friends, let us love one another because love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God, or they entered into that relationship with God, born again. He that loves have entered into a relationship with God and connected to God. They're born again, and they know God. That word know means, uh, it's a word that means intimate, a relationship. They've come into that place of relationship, and they're walking with God. They love. Everyone who loves, loves God, been born of God and knows God, but whosoever does not love, they don't know God. They haven't entered into their relationship with God. Why? Because God is love. It's in his attribute. One of his attributes is love. God loves people. He can't help but love. 
Not he will love, not he might love. God is love. And if God is love and I'm connected to God, then it's like a circle. God loves me. I love, love God, so now I have to love other people. He said this way in John. He said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bring forth much fruit. Galatians says the fruit of the spirit is love. So when you're connected to God, you're connected to the resources that God has, which is love, joy, peace, kindness. So let us continue to be connected to God, continue to walk with God so that we can love each other. Amen. Because God is love and we can only express God's love to the extent we have experienced it. Like the more I'm, in, I'm, I'm connected to God and the, the stronger my relationship is with God, the more I can love other people. I love what it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. This may not be on your screen, but it says that hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit he has given us. And that's how we love people is we love people by the spirit of God that is in us. And we need to walk in that spirit so that we can love. Anytime we're walking outside of that relationship with God, we can't love people right. I have to love God right so that I can love you right. We should also love the lost. Because there's a lot of people in our world that don't know God. And I wrote this, that believers, they create a place to experience God. But a disciple creates space for others to experience God. Oh, that's so good. Because, yes, I want to experience God. I want to come to church. I want to feel the joy of God. I want to feel the love of God and the peace of God in my own life. But when you get to that place of discipleship where you're a disciple now, you say, you know what? I want somebody else to experience what I experience. I want them to feel the love of God. I want them to have the peace of God. I want them to experience God's joy for their life. I love Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 6. It says this. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. Jesus was famous, y'all. There were so many people that were showing up at, at the door trying to hear Jesus. You know how it is, kind of like Taylor Swift came to town. Come on, Beyonce's out there. There's a lot of people there. And while he was preaching the word of God to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on the mat. And they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. I'm telling you, we need a little more of they in the world. People who are willing to go the extra mile to help the lost or to help people who can't help themselves. 
I love this story of these four men bringing this man. They brought him on the journey to Jesus. When they got there, they couldn't get him in because there were so many people at the door, but they went the extra mile and say, you know what? Let's get up on the roof. Let's bring him up on the roof. They went a little farther, began to tear the roof apart. I mean, sheetrock falling on Jesus' head. But they was willing to go the extra mile to get this man to Jesus. I'm telling you, we got to be able to go the extra mile for people. Love will cause you to go the extra mile. We need more of they in the world. Someone who's willing to help somebody who can't help themselves. Somebody who's lost and far from God. Why? Why do we want to do this? Why do I go the extra mile? Why do I tear up the roof? Why do I lower this man down? Because I want him to experience what I experience. I want him to experience the healing that I've experienced by getting to Jesus. I love uh, Luke 19 where it talks about Jesus after seeing Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus was, uh, came to Jesus and, and he didn't feel worthy. And, you know, Jesus told him at the end, he said, for the son of man came to seek and to save those which are lost. Jesus came to save the lost. We are disciples of him. We follow him. We've learned we're learning from him. So we are to also. Seek the lost to help them. There's a lot of people in our world that needs it. We live in a dark world, and the church has to show love to each other as well as to the world so that people can see that light and come to Jesus. There's people in our circle, each and every one of us in this room, that are lost and may not know God, may not have been connected and, and entered into that relationship with God. It's our responsibility as disciples to tell somebody about Jesus so that they can experience the power of God in their life. Not only do we love the lost, but we got to love the least. You got to love the least. And I wrote this. <clears throat> Believers, they give a few dollars or even a few hours. But disciples, they give their hearts. See, love is more than what we can say. It's more than what we can do. Love is more than what we can give. Love is in the heart. Matthew chapter 25 says this. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and fed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you have did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are doing it to me. We have to love the least. 
I love John chapter 5. It says, Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jew Jewish holidays. And there was like three Jewish holidays that all male Jews had to uh, attend. They had to come to these holidays. And this is one that Jesus came to. And inside the city, near the sheep gate, there was a pool that is called the Pool of Bethesda, which is called the, it means the house of mercy. And in that, at that pool, there was five porches, different porches. And at each of these porches, there were people, crowds of people that were sick, blind, lame, paralyzed, the least. And it actually, people despised them when they walked by, shaking their heads at the least. And then one of the men lying there, he had been sick for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, do you want to experience God? Would you like to be well? Would you like to meet the God that I met? Because I was lame. I was crippled. I was lost. I was hurting. And I met Jesus in my life. And because of that experience, I want to help you out. Do you want that experience in your life? Do you want it? And the man said, I have no one to help the least. There's no one who would lend me a hand. There's no one who would give me bread or no one would see me naked and give me clothing. No one that would show me hospitality. Jesus said, stand up and walk. I'm here to show you mercy. And some of us may be here today and we may be struggling with our value, saying that I feel like I'm the least. The least in my school or in my family, the least. On my job. Maybe you're struggling with feelings of self-worth. And your spirit been down and you've been depressed because you feel as if you're not valuable. But I want to let you know the devil is a lie. I say the devil is a lie. And God loves you right where you are. Right where you are in your state, God loves you. And you're not the least. And you have people that love you. We love you. If you're here today. Don't walk out of here thinking you are not loved or that you're not valuable. I love the story that Jesus talked about. The woman that had 10 coins. And she had 10 coins and she lost one of the coins. And the Bible says that she swept the whole house looking for the one coin. Like, why are you spending all of the manpower and the resources to find this one coin? And God was showing me because that one coin is just as valuable as the nine she still had. And it was worth all of her effort to find it. And God's saying, you may be that one coin, but he's looking for you today. 
He's seeking you today because you are worth more than you think you are. We got to love the least. And we can't wait for an organization, the church, to set something up for us to serve people and to help people, for us to meet a need. If you see a need, meet that need. Help somebody right where they are. So easy for us to feel blessed and to get blessed, and then we forget the least. We forget how we were connected to people who didn't have. God did not bless us just to bless us. He blessed us to be a blessing. God bless you so that you can help somebody else. One of the most gratifying things you will ever experience is when you help somebody who can't help themselves. I'm telling you, it's such a feeling, a warmth that you get when you're able to bless somebody that can't help themselves. When you're out there serving somebody, you're thinking you're blessing them, but really you're getting blessed. I mean, you're just getting so blessed when you, when you, when you do it. It's like I remember one time when I, I, I was at a restaurant. I don't know, God put it on my heart, you know, and this, this, this young lady who was serving us, and God just put on my heart to give her $100 that I had in my, my wallet. I, I, I like to keep just a $100 bill in my wallet for emergency. Y'all don't rob me. Don't, don't take my $100, all right? <laughs> just, just, just for emergency. And, and, and God just say, give the, give the lady the hundred dollars. And you know, the flesh kind of tug a little bit too. Right? When you feel that unction, you're like, the flesh is battling. But I was obedient to the spirit. And when I gave her the hundred dollars, even right there at the table, she began to just weep and say, you just don't know how much you bless me. And here's the thing. She didn't know how much she blessed me. My heart was filled with joy. I walked out of that restaurant like, man, who else can I bless? What, where you at? We have to love the least. You know, I never, I never really understood how much people need help until I got this cast and um, this boot now um, and ruptured my Achilles. And man, it's just like, it's so hard to do things on your own. Like you, you, you are so thankful for when people open the door or, you know, people told something for you, you know? And I've been working my poor wife to death. I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep working her. As long as I got this doctor's note, you got to serve me, baby. <laughs> but there's people who are in the world that are hurting and broken and can't do for themselves, y'all. Let's love the least. And let's also love our neighbors. Love our neighbors. I wrote this, believers desire to learn, but the disciples desire to love. In 1963, Martin Luther King said this, it's appalling that most segregated, the most segregated hour of Christian America is the 11 o'clock hour on Sunday morning. Because we're so separated. And we as a church are not loving each other. And we as churches, 
Like we feel like the other churches are the enemy. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And we all need to come together to help change the world. Because the church, I'll say it again, is the hope of the world. And we have to start loving our neighbors, loving our co-workers, loving our classmates, loving the people in our homes, our family members. We have to start showing the love of Christ. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 says this. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man goes on to say, well, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus shared this story about the good Samaritan, how, you know, there was this man that was walking down the road, got robbed, got beat up, left for dead. And this religious man came by and he saw him there and he went on the other side of the street, didn't want anything to do with him. And after him came a Levite who knew the law, but he went on around and went down the street. And lastly, this good Samaritan man come and shows up and saw him laying there beaten and wounded, left for dead. And he took him up, bandaged up his wounds, took him to an inn and told the man at the inn, I'm going to leave him here. If he used anything or, or, or rack up a bill, put it on my account and I would take care of it. Jesus asked the man, who was his neighbor? And he said, the one that showed him mercy. And I'm telling you, we got to show people mercy. Jesus said, go and do likewise. You go and show people mercy and the love of God in this world. And anyone around us in our vicinity is our neighbor. No matter their ethnic, religious, or social status, they're our neighbors. And we got to love people. Just because they're Democrat or Republican, we got to love people. No matter the color of their skin, we got to love people. Because God is love. I'm going to say that again. God is love. And if we're connected to God, then the love of God is in our hearts. By the Holy Spirit of God that he gives to us as being born again believers. Allow that love of God to flow through your life. First John says this, chapter 4, verse 20. If anyone boasts, I love me some God. Boy, I love God. And they go right on hating their brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, just living in hate. The Bible said they are a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. It's straightforward. Loving God 
includes loving people. You got to love both. Don't tell me you love God and you are hating the person next to you. And if you have hate in your heart today, you need to get closer to God and ask God to take that hate out of your life. Love your neighbor. As I get ready to close, I also want to say that we have to love our enemies. And I wrote this. Believers are kind to those who are filled with grace. Disciples, disciples are filled with grace to those who are unkind. And I know it's hard when we talk about loving our enemies and loving people who have mistreated us and people who have talked about us and slandered our names, people who have abused us and mistreated us in every form. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5. You have heard that it was said, you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Hate that person that mistreated you. Hate that person that's been talking about you. Hate that person that kicked you out of the clique. That unfriend you on Facebook. But I say to you, love your enemies. That's what Jesus said. Jesus came to contradict the world's way of living. See, I know what the world says. I know what you've been taught. I knew how you grew up and what you've been taught growing up. But I want to give you a, I want to change your mindset. Give you a new heart. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be, your, be sons of your father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. God don't just love us in the church. God loves people outside the church. God loves people who are far from him. Say he sent his rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Isn't that what the world do? The true enemy, your true enemy, is not the individual. Your true enemy is the devil that's using the individual. I love the story when Jesus, the Bible says he was going on the other side and they went on the other side and he entered into the God, into this tomb. And there was a man there that was filled with demonic spirits. And he began to yell out and cry out to Jesus. Son of man, why are you here to torment us? And Jesus rebuked the spirit and cast them into the swine. And the Bible says the man, after being freed from that spirit, was clothed and in his right mind. And he wanted to follow Jesus. See, it's not your supervisor, but it's the spirit in him. It's not your classmate, 
It's the spirit in them. Don't hate that person because of the spirit behind that person. And that's controlling that person's life. So what do we do? We pray for them. I'm telling you, when you begin to pray for people, when you begin to build your prayer life, you get closer to God, you get connected to God, and you learn to love people right through prayer. I want to challenge everybody today to go on this journey with me for five months. Five months, I want us to pray for five minutes, five times for five days. That's all, that's all I'm asking. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Five days, five times a day for five minutes a day. Every each time. What does that mean? When I get up in the morning, go to God, five minutes. Just give him five minutes of prayer. As you just brushing your teeth, getting in the shower, give God just five minutes. Talk to him. Five minutes. Maybe on your way to work. On your lunch break, you get 30 minutes or an hour, whatever you get. Five minutes. Just talk to him for five minutes. Maybe you get a 15-minute break. Talk to him. And when you get back home at night, just give him five minutes. Five months, five times, five minutes, five times a day. Let us pray. Get connected to God so that we can learn to love people right. Amen? Because God is more than our attitude. He's not concerned with that. He, he's concerned with your actions. We can't bless people one minute and talk about them and gossip the next minute. That's not love. Jesus loved people even while he was on the cross. The Bible says that God committed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While they was beating him, while they was spitting on him, while they was mocking him, he loved them. Let us love like Christ and change the world. Let us bow our heads.